Nicholas Bailey here. I'm here to pose the question, do you ever get a little bit tired of life? Maybe that life's wearing you down day after day. Say you worked all week and you're exhausted. You can't wait to get to Saturday, just take the day to rest and maybe have some fun, go fishing or something. And then suddenly you notice this pile of laundry that you didn't do during the week. Or you notice there's some mowing that needs to be done. So then your whole day really goes to cleaning and organizing the house. Or perhaps you've been doing extra work to show your supervisor that you're ready for this raise. You're ready for this new position. And then you get overlooked. Or maybe you stay at home with kids. And day after day, they're fighting you at bedtime. They just don't want to go to sleep. And then they're waking up before your alarm goes off. Needing you, wanting you. And it's just wearing you down. Or maybe it's even just buying groceries and trying to prep dinner for the week or for the month. And suddenly you can't buy near as much as you could before because of the rising cost of literally everything. Or perhaps you're just watching good things happen to other people and you're struggling and wondering, when will it be my turn? I think life can bring us down for a number of reasons. Some of you may be familiar with this song that came out this past year. It was called Numb Little Bug. It gained popularity fairly quickly, and I believe it's really because of how, how relatable these lyrics are. So here's some of the chords. I'm going to try not to sing it. Do you ever get a little bit tired of life? Like you're not really happy, but you don't want to die. Like you're hanging by a thread, but you've got to survive because you've got to survive. Like your body's in the room, but you're not really there. Like you have empathy inside, but you don't really care. Like you're fresh out of love, but it's been in the air. Am I past repair? Yes, right? I think so many of us have felt this way, especially over the past few years, various reasons, or even just COVID and all the many life changes that, that it brought and, and not sure even how to feel about things. So to be honest, I felt this in my core during the past few years. For those who don't know, I was medically discharged from the United States Air Force in November of 2019. During that time, I thought, you know, I'll, I, I'll finish my degree. I had started a bachelor's degree. I'll stay at home for a couple months, get some much-needed family time, and then look for a job, find a job. COVID started on March 13th of 2020, which is actually my wife's birthday. So happy birthday, Amanda. And like many of us, that changed my plans. My wife had finished her degree that same year, and she wanted to start working full-time, which we agreed was the best option. So we essentially switched our roles and I became this stay-at-home parent who was enrolled in school. And I also did various woodworking projects and she went to work most days. And at first it was, it was fun. I, it was much different. I didn't have a lot of the same stressors that I had from the military. I loved being home with my daughter every day, playing, um, working on schoolwork and building and making things, refinishing things all while she napped. And it just worked out. So I did that for a while and I finished my bachelor's degree and then decided I'm going to continue this. I'm going to move and get my master's degree. And then in January of 2021, I had a reverse shoulder replacement. And yes, I do look good for being in my 60s. Thank you. Um, no, so I had some issues while I was enlisted and I ended up having three arthroscopic surgeries on it. And then I was discharged ultimately because of it and because of my limitations and after that, I saw three more surgeons who all told me that I had a shoulder of a 70-year-old patient, which I didn't know if they communicated that with one another, but I didn't like it. Um, 
But then I saw a specialist and he informed me that I had shoulder dysplasia and I had likely had it from birth, which was why I was constantly having these issues with it. And that I needed a full replacement at age 28. So this surgery took a while to recover from. It was a big deal. It also presented me with a lot of other issues. So suddenly I was not able to do near as much woodworking as before. I'd like to add that this was a hobby of mine, something I'd really enjoy doing as well as a part-time job. I love making things, refinishing things. I just love the idea of making things new. But now I get to the point where my whole hand would go numb after doing minimal work, such as using a hand sander, using a drill, um, and this also presented me with sleep loss, uh, lots of sleep loss due to numbness. Uh, my whole arm would go numb sleeping in certain positions. I was a side sleeper before. I am no longer a side sleeper because I cannot sleep on my right side. Uh, I was receiving no real solutions or answers from my doctors. I had been taking muscle relaxers for almost a year at this point. And no, not to mention, I could no longer work out like I used to while I was enlisted. I loved going to the gym. I couldn't do that. I couldn't lift weights anymore. And on top of all of that, I had this idea and this pressure that I put on myself, I'll add, not from anyone else, that I wasn't doing enough. You know, that I wasn't doing enough for my house. I had these feelings of I should be, I should be the husband going to work every day. My wife should be home with the dog, with my daughter and with my son. You know, or on days where my kids needed more attention, I would feel like I didn't do anything today. Um, which if you're a stay-at-home parent and you ever feel that way, just remember, you raised a human today. But I would cause myself to go into these depressive states where I really wouldn't want to do anything. I would just, and I just felt like life was hitting me harder and harder each day. Finally, I got to the point where I, I was depressed and I didn't do anything. I Projects I had written down on, on my to-do list were piling up. My to-do list doubled in size. And I have these thoughts of, what am I even doing? And I even contemplated dropping out of my program at one point. See, my degree is in leadership, which is not really a degree where you go out and get a job immediately, such as a nursing degree or an engineering degree. I would, I didn't really, I wasn't sure where I was going with this degree. I just wanted to become a better version of myself. So all of this plus normal life events, I, I felt much like the song lyrics. I'm hanging by a thread, but I've got to survive. So where am I going with all this? Now that I've confirmed life can be really tough at times, what's the point? So the question and the idea I want to present is how do we hold on to hope during these times when we feel this way? So now I'd like to read a short story from the book of Mark, chapter 5. To give you some context, Jesus had just cast out many demons from a demon-possessed man and then took a boat across the lake to the other side. And upon docking the boat, he was suddenly surrounded by a large crowd. And a man in the crowd asked him, asked Jesus to come with him to his house to heal his sick daughter. And on the way, he's encountered by a woman whose name we don't know. But this very short story is about holding on to hope. So verse 24, Mark chapter 5, starts with, So Jesus went with him, the man. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So let's dissect this just a little bit. 
We're going to first look at Jesus. As I mentioned, he had just cast out many demons from a possessed man. I don't know much about this, but I do have to wonder if that was tiring. I don't think it was a snap of the fingers. And as soon as he leaves this situation, goes across the lake, suddenly he's surrounded by a bunch of people who are, who are asking him to follow, follow them and perform another miracle. And yet again, I wonder if he was tired. Then on the way, verse 30 says that he feels the power gone out from him when the woman touches him, enough so that he asks, who touched me? So he feels that. So with that, I think we can argue these, these healings he performed are something that started to weigh on him physically. And now we look at the woman. She had been bleeding for 12 years. Biblically, this would mean that she was likely not able to enter religious ceremonies because she was considered unclean. The book of Leviticus chapter 15 speaks on uncleanliness and emphasizes that women who were subject to bleeding were considered unclean and that anywhere they sat or anyone they touched was also considered unclean. The scripture mentions that she had seen multiple doctors and therefore it was likely not a secret that she was unclean, causing her to really become an outcast. So my guess is that she also had these feelings of shame for her sickness, which would make sense as to why she did not draw attention to herself or cry out to Jesus for help. But what can we gather from her choice to still touch Jesus? I think the fact that she was in a large crowd of people alone speaks volumes about her desperation and hope to be healed. As I stated, she was likely an outcast, yet she was willing to overcome these boundaries, these boundaries of social as well as religious practices that ultimately separated her from Jesus. I would like to point out again, she didn't shout to him. She didn't stand on the side and beg for help and cry out. She was determined. So she broke through that boundary. And because of that, she was healed. Now, I'm not saying we can't try to cry out to Jesus and we can't yell to Jesus for help. We, we absolutely can. And he can take it. But we have to ask ourselves, are we holding on to hope in those moments? Do we have hope and desperation like this woman that if we simply touch him, he will heal us or he will help us? Or are we standing on the sideline yelling out to God without changing some of our choices or without taking steps to break through some of those boundaries to get closer to him? Are we willing to hold on to hope and faith and break through our own social and religious boundaries to try to reach him? Or again, are we just complaining about our situation and our lives and trying to make, without trying to make any sort of change? You know, we cannot live our lives the exact same every day and simply hope it's going to get better. We have to make a change and then hope for a better outcome or a different outcome. So finally, let's look at Jesus and let's look at how Jesus responded to this woman. Mark 534 says, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Hope is a confident expectation that stems from having faith. And faith is the complete trust or confidence in something. The two go hand in hand, but are distinct. See, she had faith in Jesus and his ability to heal, heal people. And she also had hope that he would heal her if she simply touched his clothes. So one thing I had decided to do for myself after all of these times and in this depressive state was talk with someone. I currently and have since then meet with a therapist virtually two times a month. For me, this was a big social boundary that I had to break through. And I still have to break through at times that, number one, it's okay to not be okay. 
and, and that it's okay as a man to talk about my problems and to try to work through my problems. That doesn't mean I still don't have days where I, I, I don't feel like a numb little bug, because I definitely do. It just means that I can choose to hold on to hope during those harder days. And I'll be the first to say that it's not easy at all. And that's okay. But I'm still working on holding on to hope that God will be in every situation that I'm struggling with. Something I'm sure many of us have heard is the phrase, pick up your cross daily and follow me, or something similar to those lines. To add to that, I believe every day we have to choose hope and choose to hold on to hope. Otherwise, we fall into these depressive states of hopelessness and begin to let life continue to get the best of us. I have a great hope for my future, but I'm also taking steps in working on improving my future, which ultimately allows me to have more hope for my future. So hope without action is going to get us nowhere but to a place of disappointment. So let me end by asking, what can you change today or what social boundary can you break through in order to hold on to hope? As a reminder, faith and hope go hand in hand. We can have faith in our God and trust him with our lives. And we have hope that he will give us strength to get through these tough times. But we are supposed to be Jesus to the world. And we can produce hope by making or even being the change in this world. Thanks. Thank you.